Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here with another quick reminder to subscribe if you would be so kind and tell your other uh, political nerdy friends about our podcast. Leave us a rating if you'd like. Any questions, comments, concerns, cake recipes, um, ideas for barbecue, salads, things like that, because it is the season now, uh, do hit me up. You can email me at egraney at postmedia.com or I'm very, very, very easy to find on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. Enjoy this week's episode. Yay! Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, provincial affairs reporter Emma Graney, and this is the David Suzuki's Naughty by Nature of Things edition. It is Friday, <laughs> April 27. 2018. My name's Emma Graney. I'm the provincial affairs reporter. Did I already say that? You're I don't even know. It's been a really long, weird week. Yeah, you already said that. It's it's in honor of David Suzuki. It's like you cloned it. <laughs> With me today, city columnist Paula Simons. How are you, Paula? I'm very well, thank you, Emma Graney. It's supposed to be 25 degrees today and 28 tomorrow. 28 degrees tomorrow? That is the forecast from Aww. Environment Canada, who may be trolling us, but. <laughs> as they do in April sometimes. Dave Breckenridge, how are you, mate? Fantastic. Excellent. Yes. Excited by the warm weather as well. Sure. I shaved my legs. You can't tell that on the radio. <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> and Keith Ryan, did you shave your legs this morning, uh, mate? I, no. No, I did not. <laughs> Maybe I'll consider it, but no. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about a few things. As you might have gathered from the title, we are going to be talking about the kerfuffle around um, David Suzuki's awarding of... He's being awarded, sorry, he is not awarding, he's being awarded an honorary degree by the University of Alberta. He's caused quite the stir in this province, let me tell you. We're also going to talk about, God, this is just, like it never ends, the latest in the pipeline dispute, uh, BC launched a court reference case there yesterday, Thursday. We'll talk about that because we don't ever stop talking about pipelines here. And finally, we're going to take a little look at Saskatchewan. God bless them. They've launched a court case as well, but this time it's against the carbon tax. So we'll take a look at that and what that might mean for Alberta, if anything. But let's start off with David Suzuki. (sighs) Paula's just (laughs) starting off with a deep sigh. (sighs) So what happened here, Paula? Every year, the University of Alberta gives out honorary doctorates as part of its convocation ceremony. And mostly, they give them to earnest and worthy people, and it doesn't get much attention. Mm-hmm. Back in 2012, there was a whole foo when Indira Samarasekhar was president, and they gave an honorary doctorate to the head of Nestle, uh, which was a, there were huge protests, people marched, it was a, it was a thing. But it's not usually a thing. Uh, this year, it's a thing because the University of Alberta Senate uh, decided that one of its honorary doctorates would go to David Suzuki. Now, if they'd done this 10 years ago when David Suzuki was probably, you know, better known as a geneticist and the host of The Nature of Things and mm-hmm. a, a host of Quirks and Quarks, a science educator, he probably would have passed without much attention. And indeed, the University of Calgary gave him an honorary doctorate a couple of years ago. Nobody cared. It was in the 80s, I think. Yeah, Yeah, a while ago. So that's what I mean, you know. But right now, it's through the lens of the whole Trans Mountain pipeline debate. Suzuki has become more and more, I think it's fair to say, doctrinaire in his environmental views over the last couple of years. Hostile. He's gotten to the, he's gotten to the, <laughs> crank, good word for he's it. gotten to the cranky old man, get your pipeline off my lawn uh, <laughs> stage of life. Uh, and a lot of people were 
thinking that it was tone deaf of the U of A to make this decision? Because they made the decision months and months ago. Right. Uh, it takes a long time for something like this to move through the university food chain. Mm. It's not like they decided to give him an honorary doctorate right now in the heat <laughs> of all of the uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline debate. But this thing sort of started, started off as a low rumble. I um, mean, when they first announced it, some, you know, Andrew Leach, who's an economist and who works in the environmental sector, you know, said on Twitter, you know, um, I met him at a conference and he was really rude to me and he doesn't think... Yeah, he, he had that amazing he, thread he, of tweets. Yeah, and right? he, 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 you know, he's, he poo-poo's economics and he's then in, in the legislature, the UCP, um, you know, some of their backbench folks were saying, oh, you know, this is bad, the U of A should be spanked for this. But it didn't really explode until the dean of engineering wrote this incredibly over-the-top mea culpa uh, one suspects because he was hearing from donors, uh, oh, you know, I don't accept this and my university has made a terrible, terrible mistake. This was followed up. Joseph Doucette, the dean of the School of Business, wrote a less over the top, but still, you know, uh, a letter that basically says in code to donors, this wasn't my idea. Please keep giving me money. <laughs> uh, because because this is what started to happen is that donors right. started to kick up a fuss. So the whole thing has has gotten to a completely it surreal surreal level. Mm -hmm. I mean, do I think David Suzuki deserved an honorary doctorate? Do I think this was a good idea? Not really the point. I mean, the man has more than two dozen other honorary doctorates. Yeah. There was no particular reason for the U of A to go out of its way to gore this particular ox. But having having made this decision, I think they're quite right not to bend to donors who are saying, you know, we're going to pull our funding to your university because we don't like one of the dozens of honorary doctorates you're giving out. It's, it's, it's bananas. And then politically, of course, the UCP started a petition. Uh, Jason Kenney recorded a video. A bunch of other MLAs have recorded videos saying, sign our petition. If you don't think David Suzuki should get an honorary degree because he's belittling and wants to destroy our energy industry here in Alberta, and we hate him, we hate him so much. I'm reading between the lines right. with that last yeah, bit. It's that probably was not actually on the petition itself. No, it's not. But I did look yeah. at the petition. Now, here's a fun fact about it. Um, it's actually started by the party, not by the caucus, because I called... Um, the press secretaries and like, hey, what's up with this petition? Like, why are you starting a petition? So it turns out it's a party thing. So I reached out to the party president, Janice Harrington, and had a chat with her yesterday. I said, okay, so you're giving this petition to U of A, right? And she's like, no. I'm like, sorry, what now? She's like, oh, no, no, it's just for our purposes. And I'm like... Wait a second. Oh, so you're so getting this, is, this is one of these fake petitions where they put it out there so that they can get names of people yep. that they can hit up for donations later. Absolutely. <laughs> but the last line of the petition says, you know, sign below if you call if you also agree with us and call on the University of Alberta to rescind their decision to give David Suzuki an honorary degree. Any normal person would read that and go, oh, they're going to give this to the university. What more? No, they're not. No, they're not. It's no. just a way for them to get names and email addresses of potential donors to the UCP. Well, this is where I think things have become a little ugly because I, I, I'm, I'm struggling. Maybe you guys can help me here understand where this outrage, why this outrage has reached this level because, honestly, this is something that is going to affect no one in their daily lives down the road. David Suzuki is going to come. He's going to get his little piece of paper. He's going to make a speech, and he's going to leave, and life is going to go on. So something <laughs> here seems 
ugly. I don't know what oh, is yeah. the ugliness here. What is this? It, it yes, I understand it's coming in the context of Trans Mountain, but it feels like there are certain people using this as a wedge issue. Oh, politicians to, yeah. would never <laughs> use something yeah. like this as a wedge issue. It's Keith. true. It's true. It is being used as a wedge issue, and you you are right that. It, He'll come, he'll get his degree, he may say some controversial things, and he'll leave. But I think the sense is right now, among a lot of people in the province, that we are fed up with people like David Suzuki, who has been for years, he called for Stephen Harper to be put in jail, he called for Ed Stelmack to be put in jail, he has been over the top for a long time, and people here are kind of, certain people here are fed up with that kind of messaging about our oil industry and we're hoping that we're limping to the finish line on a project to get our oil to tidewater and we're facing stiff opposition from john horgan and andrew weaver and we may be winning the public opinion battle on that and then a guy like david suzuki with a lot of profile he went into the calgary teachers convention in february or march oh yeah that caused a fuss didn't it because he slagged alberta and its oil industry Mm -hmm. and then he's gonna come here and maybe say some controversial things and i think people in alberta are fed up with it and they want david suzuki to just go away and there's (laughs) and and based on his comments in calgary that's not an outlandish stance to take see i mean i think it's perfectly fair game to be able to protest the U of A's decision to give anybody an honorary doctorate, as I said, when the Nestle protests happened in 2012, nobody said, oh, well, that's, you know, an attack on the sovereignty of the university, because then it was people on the left who were upset about somebody who, you know, whose company takes water and resells it and sells baby formula to people who, you know, who, for whom that's a bad choice. Mm. Uh, you know, there were there were they were on the side of the angels when they were protesting that honorary doctorate. So I don't think there's anything wrong with protesting. What I do think crosses a line, as Keith said, is, I mean, this has gone beyond protesting. I mean, when the UCP uh, does a petition like this, they're not just, they're not just trying to collect donors. Um, they're sending a message that says, if we were in government, we would perhaps question the autonomy of the university. I mean, I think Keith is right. He This has become symbolic of so much more than what it's actually ostensibly about. And the idea that a university can be yanked by the chain by its donors like this, that's what's deeply disturbing, probably even more disturbing than the prospect of what a UCP government might do to the university. The idea that major donors can whistle and the university is supposed to come to heel, that's a very disturbing image for, for a province I mean, we're making ourselves look like idiots. If the concern was, what does this look like? This overreaction makes us makes us look like troglodytes. Rachel Notley was asked about this, actually, um, because Jason Kenny, you know, the UCP leader, had got up and kind of caused a stink about it, recorded his video and put it online. Some other UCP... Um, backbenchers had done the same and Notley was like yeah look I don't really agree with this appointment but academic freedom they can do what they want basically again I'm paraphrasing that is not what Rachel Notley said but basically that's where she was yeah and I think honestly that's 
probably the correct view. I understand that people are upset, and and uh, Dave makes you know lays out the case of why people are sick of David Suzuki in this province. There's also his other part of his career where he has actually contributed quite a lot to scientific literacy, and you know that was and, perhaps and, maybe and, earlier and, in his and career. And as a geneticist but, and as somebody who's right. who has spoken up, he's also been a human rights activist as somebody who grew up in a Japanese internment camp, and he's a former U of A faculty member. Although that was a long time ago, he taught there briefly in the early oh, 19. 19- he? I didn't. Yeah. He taught there briefly in the early 19. 19- 1960s, which I only learned this week myself. I mean, I, I think there are legitimate questions to be asked about the way in which the university gives out its honorary doctorates, yeah, I was wondering about which that. frankly has always lacked a little transparency and a little logic. Sometimes, you know, they put out the list of names and you go, huh? Um, but, that's, <laughs> but that's an internal university matter um, that shouldn't you know, but that's something the university probably needs to work on. Uh, you know. Well, do you remember 1996? The University of Alberta decided to give an honorary doctorate to Ralph Klein, and in 1996, which was the worst possible time to give it to Ralph Klein, who is a guy who had essentially cut public services, cut the universities. Uh, yeah, yeah, was not a popular guy in Edmonton. Uh, so for an Edmonton university at that point to say, "Hey, Premier, come on and <laughs> get it, get <laughs> an honorary Ralph? doctorate, you want an honorary degree," and uh, uh, tone deaf, right? Like yeah. the words that Notley used about David Suzuki, same thing at that time. Now Klein ultimately decided not to accept it but it hurt him and he kept referring to it the rest of his career about the people in the ivory tower uh, being against him so that was a really divisive dumb thing to do at the time pierre trudeau in 1968 received an honorary degree from the university of alberta in the midst of an election campaign he is at the height of his trudeau mania at that point he had just been elected leader but again giving an honorary doctorate to a sitting politician (laughs) right is a bad idea. Yeah. Any sitting politician of yeah. any party. Um, you know, the university, there was an, another controversy when they refused to give an honorary doctorate to Eberhardt. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, y- you want the honorary doctorate to be meaningful. And I suppose, to be devil's advocate, maybe it's a great thing that people are really upset about this. Uh, that, if, that people are actually arguing about who gets an honorary doctorate and making it a matter of public interest in some ways. That's very healthy. That means that we still care about a university uh, and how it chooses to honor people. Uh, it should matter. They shouldn't just be given out rotely or pro forma. But I think in this case, I think the university is absolutely right. It's Senate having made this decision. I think President David Turpin has made the courageous choice, as we know from Yes Minister. Courageous is not always uh, the, the easy choice to make. But I think he's made the courageous choice to defend this honor. Yeah, because he doubled down on it, didn't he? He's just like, nah, we're doing it. I, I don't buy the whole free speech argument, but that's <laughs> because, again, I academic freedom, I, I totally I agree that they've made the decision. It's unpopular in a lot of circles. Stepping back from it would be stupid at this point. It really would. Yeah. Um, it might hurt, it might hurt them even more. more yeah. yeah. It, I think it would be a bad thing for them to do. And they are free to do that as an institute of academic uh, freedom, discussion, thought, all of that. Um, but I don't buy the free speech argument. That's just, that's, you know, as, a, as especially David Suzuki is the kind of person who doesn't necessarily care about free speech. He pulled, he, you know, he was free to, he pulled uh, scholarships from Carleton because a professor in the program uh, wrote critical things about his book. He, he didn't like that, so he pulled his money. He's free to do that, but arguably, should they not be free to criticize him as well? Yes. Well, That's I mean, and, and the thing in general is that, you know, if you're going to punish a university and its students because 
at a particular moment, a particular administration makes a political choice with which you do not agree or they hurt your feelings. Right. Um, uh, it, it's it's just as bad when anybody does it on any side of things. But I think, isn't it healthy and wonderful that people are <laughs> this energized over a debate <laughs> about the awarding of an honorary doctorate? And I know 50 years from now, uh, when I get mine, <laughs> I want people to be just as impassioned about it. Footnote, I, I don't actually think the U of A is ever going to give me an honorary doctorate. Uh, I'm not gunning for one. Linda, uh, Linda Hughes, our former publisher, got one, so you never know. Yeah, no, and she, and she was chancellor. What I would like is a free parking pass. <laughs> I've, I've, just said, I've never seen a political party start a petition, though, on something like this. It just blew my mind when they did that. It was surprising to me. But I think your excellent reporting has demonstrated to us that there's an agenda here that goes yeah. beyond. Which is just... It, it's gross. It's, it's icky, a little isn't it? gross. Yeah. It is icky. Yeah. It just yeah. feels disingenuous that if you're outraged about something, sign this petition. You assume they're giving it to someone, but nah, you're just you're just giving them your no, contact but, but, details. But this, you know, and there is a more serious question here, which is, I mean, if the U of A is trying to headhunt the best academic talent, you know, if if you're sitting, if you're a grad student in Chicago or Oxford, and you're looking at this news, you'd think this is. This is not a grown-up university. This is not a grown-up academic culture. So let's let's switch gears now over to pipelines because they are dominating our lives. It's not, it's not even switching gears. It's just no. It's just <laughs> continuing on with the law, changing lanes. Yeah, basically, yeah. So Thursday, uh, the BC government lodged a launched lodged went to court and it said we're going to have a reference case here about whether or not we can regulate what is coming through the expanded pipeline into BC. And this is Dilbit in particular that they want to know about, right? Right. So Notley is not happy. Do you guys have that ad here? It's like not happy, Jan. No, that's an Australian thing. Okay, good. Well, there's a cultural experience for you all. Um, What do you reckon, Keith? Do you reckon this has any any chance of any success whatsoever? I, I, I'm not a, a lawyer, um, but... I'll go away in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, everything we've heard up to this point says, no, this is not going to work. This is another delay tactic. The, the, the uh, date of May 31st is circled in red pen on everybody's mm-hmm. calendar right now because that's the date that Kinder Morgan has said they... They have to have clarity on the pipeline, or they're going to they're going to walk away from it. Uh, John Horgan knows that uh, as well as anyone, and I think it's quite clear that this court case is not going to get uh, decided prior to to May thirty first. I think he knows that he has very little chance of succeeding, but he doesn't need to succeed. All he needs to do is delay it past May thirty first, and he may accomplish what he wants. Politically, um, obviously, we've got Notley saying we don't like it. I was in a conference call with her from Slave Lake yesterday and she was kind of just scoffing at the whole thing and saying, but her point was if this succeeds and British Columbia gets to put controls on exports from other provinces, then that means every other province will have the same powers and BC had better be damn careful about what it's wishing for here because it means that we can also then put restrictions on exports of like their lumber or their natural gas or their fruit or, oh, their wine or anything like that. Um, she makes an interesting point and, and then she kind of went one step further and said if BC does get these powers, then Canada's economy will grind to a halt. This just reminds me of a of a Simpsons episode and the character's itchy and scratchy and they always fight and there's a scene where one of them has a gun and the other one has a gun and the other one pulls a bigger gun and the other one pulls a bigger gun until the guns are as big as the earth and then they blow each other up. 
Um, <laughs> it is just it is this so good. constant, constant buildup of of rhetoric and stall tactics and arguing and goes seemingly completely against the notion that we want to have free and open trade between the provinces. This is the road we're going down. Like we've already, the Supreme Court held up the beer Boo. ban. They, they held up <laughs> New Brunswick uh, being able to say, no, you can't bring your beer in from Quebec. Um, provinces don't do well on interprovincial beer trade. You can ask brewers in Alberta about their treatment in other provinces. You can ask brewers in other provinces about the provincial government's treatment of their products. We should have, more than anything else, open and free trade between our borders. And if BC succeeds in this court case, it means horrible things for our economy and just for the idea that we are a country of, of partners and neighbors that want to share and work together and collaborate. <laughs> I No, I know. It's, so it seems game. utopian. It's like, and I am normally a very cynical person, but like <laughs> past premiers have made a big deal about signing trade pacts with our neighbors. And we've completely just want to throw that all out the window. Yeah. I'm baffled by it. Well, no, but I think Keith's, Keith's analysis is the is the accurate one. It doesn't matter if this case succeeds in court. All Horgan has to do is put a spoke in the bicycle wheel uh, because you know, will this lay things past May? Yeah, it will. The fascinating thing to me this week was the Main Street poll numbers mm-hmm. that showed that Rachel Notley's NDP up eight points Jason Kenney and the UCP down seven points. And I think that's clearly a reaction to Notley's hard line on the pipeline. Well, because that's since February, too. It's yep. That's right. Well, and don't forget Kenny's, uh, his party's approach to the buffer zones around the abor- yeah, no, abortion I mean, clinics. I mean, by approach, you mean yeah. Yeah. turn around and run the uh, other way. Exactly. Yeah. No, yes. I mean, I, I think yeah. some of that may be because people don't like the, so- the SoCon whiff coming off the party. But I think a lot of it has to do with the way Notley has positioned herself. I mean, the fact that she is up eight points, you know, in some ways, in the itchy and scratchy metaphor. Um, <laughs> Horgan, Horgan, in the short term, has done her this huge favor and allowed her to position herself as the Iron Lady of Alberta and the champion of the pipelines. And But at the end of the day, if she can't get the pipeline built, uh, it's a short-term it's a yeah, short-term those, bump. Those numbers could fall off because what happens, so May 31st deadline comes up and Kinder Morgan says, no, forget it, we're going to walk away. Nolly can't do anything about it unless she decides that uh, Alberta and uh, the Prime Minister decides that the federal government are going to invest a whole bunch of money that neither government really has into getting a pipeline built. Oh, but they'll have it once they get that pipeline. Oh. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we're losing billions a day. What, 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 what were they saying, Latin X, X? Fact, Pacto, I can't say the phrase. I don't know no, what no. you're trying to say, actually. I don't speak Latin. <laughs> 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 but you make a fair point, too, Breck, because if they do go and invest all that money, and their point is, well, the federal government and the Alberta government have said, you know what, it's going to cost less to invest and kind of put a public stake in this pipeline than we're losing by not doing that. So it's kind of weighing it up. Um Briefly want to talk about carbon tax, another court challenge. Or court all the time. Woot. Basically, the government of Saskatchewan has, as they said they were going to under Bradwall, and now they're under Scott Moe, uh, launching a constitutional challenge against the carbon tax, saying that Justin Trudeau and the federal Liberals have absolutely no business imposing this on us. Thank you very much. Bugger off. We're not paying it. But they do. As much as I don't <laughs> like the federal government being able to impose taxes willy-nilly on us, it's, they do. 
I don't know. Like, what else is there to say? It's like, I'm not a lawyer, but no. Yeah, that are, it speaks to this whole, I mean, we seem to be, our constitutional crises in the past tended to deal with, you know, Quebec and separation. But now we're having like case after case where, you know, are we a confederation? Are we a bunch of independent states nation that don't states. over, that don't, yeah, that nation states that don't recognize the supremacy of Ottawa and the federal government? Because really, the Saskatchewan case is just the same as the BC case from the other way around. I mean, mm. BC is saying that the federal government doesn't have a right to put a pipeline through the sovereign territory of British Columbia. Um, this is just that same argument flipped in the other direction. I mean, we have separation of powers issues that clearly need to get well worked out. Yeah. You know, I, family therapy. If I remember anything from my citizenship exam, which I just <laughs> recently did, it's that we are one big country and we work together really, really well. See the utopia <laughs> that yeah. I was talking yeah. about. That is what I, I learned from my citizenship exam. That is what it was in the little booklet that I got. So I don't know what kind of crazy reality you guys are living in. But it's not the same as citizenship booklet no, uh, reality. No, clearly not. Now, Jason Kenney has said that this is a route that he would take if he were Premier, would be... I mean, he's seeking intervener status in, in the Saskatchewan yeah. lawsuit. Exactly. Keith, what do you reckon? I'm struggling with this one. Again, it seems like a symbolic act without really much meaning to it, because does does Jason Kenney really need to be an intervener in this one? Is Is it an opposition party in another province are they going to get intervener status yeah, that seems that's a little the thing he's just based i mean they're an opposition party they're not a government so yeah is he uh, is he expecting to be the government at the time this actually hits the courts i i, I don't know but anyway it seems again like uh, it's a public relations thing uh it's not actually a meaningful uh, I, I don't know what Jason Kenney can actually add to this debate uh, in, in for but, Saskatchewan but it's, a, it's a fascinating question i mean can you be you know if you're a political party an opposition party, in, can you be an intervener? I mean, the, the province of Alberta could be an intervener, right. but it's certainly not going to be under, Well, that's even questionable, know, too, yeah. whether Alberta has, uh, you know... Well, no, I mean, the province, the province of Alberta could seek intervener status if, it, yeah. if we had a change I mean, they could, they won't, yeah. but they could. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but can an opposition party? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, it's 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 a little strange. Did, they should start a petition and just check. They should, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Did uh, I, did I read somewhere too that Manitoba was looking at doing something similar to this and then abandoned the cause, decided to sign on to the carbon tax anyway? Because I thought I read that somewhere that um, they basically looked at this, were starting a, a you know a court challenge, and then went, eh, no, uh, this is going to be a legal black hole. We're just going to walk walk away from this. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, Jason Kenney now, speaking of Manitoba, is supporting the Winnipeg Jets in the uh, playoffs because they're the Western Canadian team. Go Knights. Right. Also oh, the yeah, only- <laughs> Vegas Knights. Yeah. <laughs> also the, awesome. the only Canadian team. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's also that. Uh, anyway, fun fact here that you learn on the Press Gallery podcast, <laughs> which team Jason Kenney is currently supporting in the playoffs. Let's go to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we have read or seen or listened to lately that we think you might also enjoy, dear listeners. Let's start off with Paula Simons. What do you have for us, love? I have a... You've got the book. I have a book. I have an actual book. You can't see this because there's no videographer today. That's like last week when I brought a magazine. But you can see this actual book, which has a beautiful cover design. Um, It is an unusual suggestion, but it is a book of poetry by an Edmonton poet named Billy Ray Belcourt. Now, Billy Ray Belcourt first made the news a couple of years ago when he became the first ever Canadian Indigenous person to win a Rhodes Scholarship. Um, And he made the news when this book came out because it's been nominated for the Griffin Prize, which is a great honking Canadian poetry prize where the winner gets $75,000. 
Um, the kid is 23. This is his first book. It's a gorgeous book of poetry. Um, and it's some of the poetry is quite political because it's an exploration of his First Nations identity, his Cree identity, but also his queer identity. And there are a lot of poems here that have quite a political charge to them. Um, so uh, it's, it's just a glorious book, and I recommend it for its politics and for its poetry. Huh, nice. Dave? So I'm at the age now where my teen years have become historical artifact. Um, And we're we're quite far away from the 1990s. I'm a big music uh, fan and one of my favorite radio shows slash podcasts, uh, The Ongoing History of New Music, hosted by Alan Cross, did a massive series looking back at music, the alternative movement in music in the 90s. And he did... It's essentially nine parts, but I think it's 11 or 12 episodes. And it looks at everything from female-fronted bands that came to the fore, the punk rock revival, hip-hop music and its influence on alternative music, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's a really well-researched and well-told telling, well-told telling of that history um, of, of music in the 90s. And I, it works really well as a podcast because they're, they're more condensed than the hour-long radio show and there's no commercials in it. And it's a really good listen. Nice. So that would be that. Um, I'm going to recommend a piece from the New Yorker magazine called Japan's Rent-A-Family Industry. Oh, it's such, a, such an amazing story. It is a fascinating story. So basically, if you're short on relatives, you can hire a husband, a mother, or a grandson. And the tagline on it is, the resulting relationships can be more real than you would expect. So it's basically these people who either their wife has died, um, one bloke, his wife had died, and then his daughter ran out after an argument and never came back. So he's been hiring a wife and daughter part-time uh, in Japan. Fascinating. It is, like, just read it. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Keith, what do you have for us, mate? I have a couple of things. Um, there was a story in the Toronto Star recently by Amy Dempsey called Improbable Cause. It's a brilliant long read about uh, the failure of the police department in, in northern Toronto to uh, solve the uh, three murders, uh, three separate murders of the Harrison family um, and how it was eventually uh, uh, people were brought to justice. But it was it's a, it's a really strong look at that Just investigation. Just a remarkable story. Yeah, uh, the failures that went on there to solve that. Um And the second piece is called A Farewell to Free Journalism by Megan McArdle of the Washington Post. And again, this is sort of a self-serving sort of thing, but um, it basically lays out the argument as to why the uh, the industry, the, the media industry, has been surviving on a number of subsidies for years, and those subsidies are about to run out. She has a great, she has a great phrase for that venture capital. She calls it stupid money. Stupid money. She no, says that's when right. the stupid money is gone, then. That's, that's right. And so we're all going to need to start paying for journalism or it's going to go. There you have it. What a uplifting thought. <laughs> <laughs> Says the host of the free podcast that everyone's listening to right now. But you can sign up for a subscription at edmontonjournal.com. Yeah, you could. That'd be great. Do that, guys. We love you so much, please. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Paula Breck and Keith Ryan. And, of course, a shout-out to Chad, who did this week's uh, press gallery, <laughs> press gallery um, illustration, which I'm going to tweet out with this podcast. It's so good. Chad, who works here. He's great. And he actually has a comic book out. It's really good. We got a copy. Anyway, we don't have a video this week, but you can find all of the past episodes of the Press Gallery at edmontonjournal.com. You can, of course, subscribe as well. You should leave us a rating if you'd like. We'd love that very much. And we'll be back again this time next week for more Alberta politics fun on the Press Gallery.